in faith and, and share with you what they've been taught. Amen. Let us go. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am, I am what it says I am. What it says I am. I can do what it says I can. What it says I can. I am a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. And not just a hearer. And not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. And I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. I know that. Faith come by hearing. Faith come by hearing. And hearing by. And hearing by. The word of God. The word of God. Amen. 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 Let's give them God some praise. Amen. Great job. Great job. Amen. 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 Well, let me read into your hearing. Our scripture text today come from the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 10, 9 and 10. Familiar passage of scripture, but uh, we want to deal with it today and, and for the next couple of weeks and see what the Lord give us. Amen? Amen. So the Bible says, and Jesus said to him, today, somebody say today. Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek, somebody say to seek, to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. Well, let me begin by giving a heartfelt thanks to uh, Minister Jacquees Simone, Minister DeAndre Latham, Fabian Thomas, and Ernestine Caldwell for standing in the gap this past month, and, and uh, the messages that have come forth have been very inspiring and powerful. So I would encourage you, if you have not uh, heard them, to go back and take a listen, and I believe you'll be blessed. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to start off uh, a little short series that is just entitled, The Seeking Savior. And, and I want you to think with me in your mind, what do you Think of what comes to your mind when you hear the word seek or seeking. And whatever comes to your mind is your answer. I'm not looking for the Webster answers. I'm not looking for anything like that because I'm going to give you a biblical answer. But in, in your mind, you got to paint this picture of what seeking looks like to you. And I believe as you paint this picture, you're going to see that we seek a lot of things in life. And based upon what that thing is that we are seeking, depends on how much effort we put into it. So when we look at this word seeking, it means to diligently search for, to be intentional or deliberate in your pursuit of something or someone. Now the idea for this is, in this sermon, is for us to purpose in our hearts that we are going to seek and to save those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as well as those who may know of him, but for some reason have fallen away. See, there are some people that you know that used to be faithful to the Lord, but something came up. And when something come up in some people's lives, the first thing they do is pull back from the very thing that they need. And when you get a picture of who that person is, then now is your job to be on a mission to seek them out. And in order to do that, you got to be intentional. I mean, you got to put forth the effort. And so my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give us the confidence, the courage, 
and the creative ways so that we can intentionally seek those who don't know the Lord. And what we're going to do is look at how he did it and why he did it so that we can have a pattern to go after. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're going to do this and we're going to do it with confidence, you're going to have to purpose to be intentional. And you're going to have to intentionally look for what I call and others have called ministry moments. Ministry moments where you can engage someone, where you can share with someone and let them know how good the Lord is. Ministry moments are not designed to be moments of condemnation and judging, but it's moments with people where you show them the love of God. You give them the hope that they need. You pray for them. You comfort them. And then you encourage them in the word. Because the gospel is supposed to be good news. So there's souls out there that need to hear good news. And Jesus' top priority was when he came was to seek and to save those who were lost. In other words, to seek people who were in their sins and to bring them back to God through him. So in Matthew chapter 1, this is kind of more the Christmas story, but I think if you understand the Christmas story, when this birth announcement comes, you understand his purpose. And see, a lot of times what we need to understand is that people need to know that they are a part of Jesus' purpose. Everybody in here, everybody that you're going to come in contact with is a part of his purpose. And so he on purpose seek those who was part of his He's not here now, but he left us the responsibility to let people know you are part of his purpose. Man, if you was in this earth all by yourself, he would have came just for, you're part of his, even if you're living like a dog right now, you're still part of his. And some people need to hear us tell them that so that they can have the same level of confidence in him that we have. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, Jesus' birth announcement, and we're going to see where the angel have to come and convince Joseph, you know, not to put Mary away. You know, Joseph was in a predicament. He was engaged and betrothed, some of the Bible say, but he was engaged, fiancé type thing. And then he found out the Mary pregnant. You know, for most men, that'll mess up our psyche anyway. I mean, you know, I, I know how that thing happened, and we ain't did that. Now you're going to come tell me. And see, when my boys find out about it, the news going to get out. And, and, and sometimes when news get out, people can't stand the feedback from the news that get out. I can't put up with the repercussion that's going to come socially when everybody starts talking about this dude over there, man, he engaged this woman, and she went and got pregnant. So he was about to roll, about to throw in the towel. But because he was a good guy, Cliff, he didn't want to embarrass her. He was just going to do it secretly, privately. But it took an angel to come down and talk to him. But in that conversation, we find out what Jesus' purpose was. And that's the starting point. 
Now look what he says. He says, Joseph, in verse 19, her fiancé was a good man. Somebody say a good man. Ain't too many good men like that today, I don't believe. It would take an angel for some of y'all if your wife got pregnant and you weren't the daddy. Don't sit here and try to play me. If your girlfriend <laughs> got pregnant and you weren't the daddy, it'll find out if you're a good man. Amen. <laughs> and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he was considering, somebody said considering. I mean, once you start considering things in your mind, you're going to figure out how to do it. So now as he was considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her is, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Somebody said the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit got a lot to do with a lot of things that happen in the earth. The Holy Spirit got a lot to do with a lot of things that happen inside you. And a lot of times when we fail to realize how much we need the Holy Spirit to help us deal with the demonic spirit that's always coming at us. Amen. And so that same Holy Spirit that was powerful enough to impregnate Mary is powerful enough to deliver you from something. So we need that same Holy Spirit. And look what he said. And she shall have a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Hebrew, Yeshua, or Joshua. And it just means God is salvation. His name meant exactly what he came to do. For he will save his people from their sin. Originally, this was aimed at the Jews. But we know that as the gospel was spread, he started preaching, he saved more than Jews. And so, therefore, we need to let people know that that is his mission. He came to save his people from their Now, look at this. Newsflash. Every man or woman that is born of a woman sins. They're still being born in sin. So that let me know the territory to seek in is vast. See, what happened is we get saved and we think sin must have stopped with us. So therefore, we don't seek to save others because we're already in. And what Jesus is saying, look, we got to take on that same mission. That's why he gave his disciples the commission to go therefore. And so therefore, we have an obligation to find creative ways and to look for ways and ask God to show us ministry moments, God. Moments where we can share the gospel with someone, share our faith, share our story. Moments that we can comfort people to let them know that Jesus came just to save them from their, not S-I-N, but S-I-N, most of us, Cliff, had multiple charges. Our jackets were pretty thick. The detective that had to work on our case had his hands full. I mean, Brother Herb, you know, some folders this thin. Some of y'all in here got a folder like that. But some of us folders were light. I mean, sinning from a young age. By the time Jesus came in, our stuff was this 
But it don't make no difference how thick my folder is. His purpose was to save me from everything that was in my folder. And that's what we need to let people know. Everything that's in your folder can be expunged once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We need to let people know that they can be set free from whatever is in that jacket. Oh, God, I don't know how I got there. My next story, Matthew chapter 9, look at this. So we know that he came to save people. That was his primary goal, his mission. His objective for coming was to save people. And from this passage in Matthew chapter 9, this record Jesus called to Matthew to be one of his followers. Now, Matthew, his Hebrew name would be Levi, but this same guy, you know, our seeking Savior went and found him while he was in sin. And, and you know, when he called him, he was intentional in calling Matthew. In other words, you know, Matthew, you know, was a tax collector. And in that day, a tax collector was not a good person as far as the Jews were concerned. They worked for the Romans, but they were Jews. And normally, if you were a Jew working for the Romans, the other Jews hated you. Not so much that you had a job, but the fact that you used to exaggerate the taxes so that you can get rich off your brothers and sisters. In other words, cliff taxes to the Rome was $1,000 a year, and I know that, and I'm the collector. I'm going to charge Cliff $1,500. I'm going to put the $500 in my pocket, but I'm going to pay the Rome with the $1,000. And so now when people saw that, they started to hate a guy like Matthew. Why would Jesus go get somebody to be on his team that is hated by so many folk? You just got to look at you. Why did he get you on the team? Everybody didn't like you when you got on the team. So we can't look at just Matthew. You got to start looking at yourself. Where were you at? What were you doing when he found you? And some people thought that you weren't worthy of the call on your life. Oh, let me just read this. I get excited because Matthew would be considered a bad guy. And I'm going to tell you here in a few minutes, the New Living Translation make it clear that he wasn't a good guy. He said, now Jesus was walking alone. Somebody said walking alone. Every day while you're walking alone, there's somebody out there that don't know Jesus. And if you're intentional, when you get up in the morning, you ask God to bring them across your path, he will give you a window of opportunity where you can speak into a person's life. You don't have to beat them with the Bible. You just need to be able to relate to them where they are in their life and give them hope, give them peace, give them comfort, give them the things that you feel like the Spirit will want them to but we don't wake up daily intentionally looking for someone to share the gospel with. He saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's office booth. You know that, that most of us, we just kept walking. I ain't going in there to say nobody. You know, that's the gentleman's club. I, ain't, I, I can't turn there. Well, if you got a mission and the Lord done sent you there, you got to turn there. Amen. Everybody that you meet ain't going to be living on, you know, pristine streets and living a righteous life. Because if they was living a righteous life, they wouldn't need you. So we got to get in our mind that the people that we're looking for us, sinners. Notorious sinners. We looking for all folks that are already saved. A doctor's office is full with sick folk. 
Look at this. So he said to him, follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now Matthew wasn't like the other guys. They had respectable jobs. Fishermen. But now he done went and got a I can imagine the fisherman sitting over there saying, now what in the world is going on in his head? He done mixed us up with this doggone tax collector. I mean, he, he, he found that dude modeling at the Chippendale. And now he done, he done brought him on the team. But he knows something about that dude that you don't. And he knows that his life could be better if he had him in it. And so sometimes we got to believe that when Jesus placed someone on, on your heart and the Spirit placed somebody on your heart, you're not to try to figure out, do they meet the qualification? They already meet it. They sinners. Everybody met the qualification. You met the qualification. Now, good, look what sinners do. See, when we got saved, most of my friends was unsaved. So it wasn't like I could run off and find a whole bunch of church folks to hang out with, Cliff. I had to go back to the same pond I had been swimming in. Because I didn't know that many church folks there. So what Matthew did, say, hey man, I got to go back to my friends and share with them what I got from the Lord. And what we have to do sometimes when people get saved, we got to let them go back and fish in the pond that they came out of. Because there are other people in that pond that need to come out. So the first thing Matthew did here, look, he went and called a party and invited all his. And guess what? They weren't holy. And he told Jesus to come and hang out with these unholy friends. So he invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. You know, disreputable, I had to look that up, kind of. Man, when you see that, that means you got some, you got some character problems. I mean, your character is really, yeah, you jacked up. Jesus was hanging with some jacked up folk, man. Bible said they were disreputable. Look at this. Verse, verse 11. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, they should have asked Jesus, but you know how mess makers are. They ain't going to go to you. They're going to go to somebody else. So they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? <laughs> Y'all know scum ain't, ain't good at all. I mean, that, that is. But you know, Cliff, they asked a question in the form of an accusation. See, they could have just asked the disciples, hey, what's your master doing over there? And left it at that. And they, and he could, they could have told him, you know he ministering to people that need to be saved. But they had to say, why is he over there hanging with this? <laughs> Scum just means somebody that's worthless, contemptible. You know, it could be a group of people or it can be just one person. You know, we need to be some scum. Anthony, you're messing me up, man. I'm trying to roll to you. <laughs> but we need to be scum hunters. Yeah, I know that didn't go well. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I just said? We got to stop looking for good folk. They already sit next to you. You need to be a scum hunter. 
And you need to be in a position where you're not afraid to go and hang out with some scum every now and then, long as you ain't going to become scum. Now, if you know you're too weak, then don't go. But if you got the strength and the Holy Spirit is giving you a word for somebody and that person is living a scummy life, you're supposed to go to Man, why is he eating with such scum? You know, when I was in the military, I, you know, the folk taught me that word because that wasn't a hood word. You know, that didn't come out our hood. We didn't use words like scum. I learned that from other folk. You know, when they would call people scumbags. Yeah, that was the military terminology. I said, what is it? I had to go look at was a scumbag. Because in the hood, we went, we, 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 that would have went right over our head. He probably, he complimented scumbag. Okay, got it. But when I came to the military, I understand other folks knew what's come. Now look at this. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. We got to stop seeking healthy people. We spend 90% of our time ministering to people who are already saved. When the equation should be the other way around. There are sick people all around us, on our jobs, in our families. Everywhere we go, if a person don't know Jesus, they're sick. And you have an obligation to have the courage and the boldness to speak into that person's life. Whether they receive it or not, you have the obligation. You well now. It's your job to go and find some sick people. Start at your job. There may be some sick folk that are working right there with you. And you listening to them every day. <laughs> Coughing up stuff. <laughs> Talking about what they do. <laughs> and instead of you going over and trying to minister, look at that as a ministry moment where you can encourage them, give them hope, and reveal who Jesus is to them. We often worry about the outcome. The outcome is not on us. It's on the Lord. We just need to do what he told us to do. And we're going to see here that some people just ain't going to listen. But that's okay. But you still have to be intentional when it comes to seeking those who don't know the Lord. Now he says, now healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. Now, you know, Jesus was pretty bold to say that to a bunch of religious folk. These were well-learned religious people, and he was sticking his finger in their eye and basically saying, you guys don't even understand what y'all teaching. You up there representing the Lord and teaching, but you ain't got a clue what you're teaching about. So he got to tell them, you need to go and learn the meaning of this scripture. You know the scripture, you can quote it, but do you know the? You're not there until you understand the meaning of something, and now once you get the meaning and understand that, you may apply it. So he says, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want to show you mercy and not offer sacrifices. In other words, he was saying that, now look, you guys need to understand that God is more concern about people than he is about you honoring him with rituals and tradition. 
So the fact that you come in here and sacrifice a goat and a lamb or whatever, and you think God is happy and you treating people like a dog, you don't have mercy on people who are sick, but you come and do all the ritualistic things and here on Sunday we stand, we pray, we dance, we shout, we do all those things, but we have no compassion on the... So he's saying, you are worthy and the song we just got through singing don't mean nothing if you don't have a heart for sick folk. We just going through the motion, filling out our service, saying, hey, this is what we do from 10 to 12 on Sunday. Let's get it done. Let's go home. Let's go to brunch. Let's go where we're going because we are not looking for sick. They're the people that need a doctor. Cliff just need for me to speak to him today. Unless he come and tell me something going on, I'm assuming that him and the Lord is all right. He's sitting up in the house of God on Sunday, and I'm believing God is feeding his spirit. But there are people who are not here that need to know that Jesus loved them enough that he made them his, their assignment. Made them his assignment. So look at this. He says, now, go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want to show mercy and not offer sacrifice. He says, for I have come to call those who think I have not come, I have not, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Wow, look at that. Now, you know what? Even when I was in the world, most people know they sinners. They know it. You just got to know how to approach them in a right way so they can receive what you're trying to say. And sometimes, don't start with what they already know about themselves. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I'm this, I know I'm that. I mean, I don't, I don't read the reports, so I, mean, I got it. But now you need to start from a place of understanding. Try to understand why I am where I am at right now. What brought me to this point? And then now once I can get that relationship and understand why you're in that predicament, then now I may be able to minister to you and tell you I can help you to get out of that. I got a solution for your problem. But a lot of times we condemn folk before we even diagnose what the We have to have the same type of mercy and love that Jesus had for people. People got to know that you're genuine and love them and care about them. Before you try to bring them to striving, you should be already saturated them with love and mercy and kindness before you bring them here. Don't bring them here if you ain't done your, your homework. Because now they're going to come here and then now they're going to be disillusioned because you didn't set the ground. You didn't plow up the ground right. And so now they come here and then nobody don't know that's your, your, your friend that you brought them. So they, they don't get spoke to the right way or whatever. But if you plant the seed right, when they come, they see you, and that's all they need to see. And I guarantee you, if you treat them right in here, they'll overlook everybody else who may say something. Because now you can explain why this may have happened. But we got to spend time trying to understand where people are. I'm not condoning and justifying where they are, but they're the reason that they're there. And sometimes we can minister better when we understand the reason. 
That's why when you go to the doctor's office, most times they ask you a lot of questions. This happened, that happened. And as they are asking no questions, I'm pretty sure they're connecting some dots and said, okay, this leads me to a place where now when I do say something, I can almost pinpoint what may be your problem. So don't go there like you know it all and you ain't heard the other person talk. Give them the first 10 minutes, just let them vent, and you just be taking mental notes and say, I know at the end of this, I got to show the love of Jesus to this person. Even though some of the things that they just said turned my stomach. Man, I'm standing here talking to scum. And instead of running away from I need to invite scum to lunch with me. I need to spend some time with him or her. And when we don't do that, the body of Christ suffers because we all have a responsibility to seek and to save that which is lost. Go to Mark. Go to Mark. Jesus sought people by preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel. So preaching and teaching play a part. But before they can get here to hear the preaching and the teaching, you got to treat them right on the front end. Amen. And so therefore, when we do that on the front end, then yes, there's a place for the gospel to be preached. Because when the gospel was preached, Jesus, the word that he preached changed people's lives. And in this episode, Jesus had been preaching, man, and, 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 and people's lives were being changed, people were getting healed, being delivered from all types of illnesses, demons were being cast out of folk. I mean, Jesus was doing what he was supposed to be doing, teaching, preaching, and delivering people from whatever it was that was keeping them from the kingdom of God. But sometimes, everybody that you preach to in one day because your popularity is great there, don't mean you're supposed to stay there. The disciples wanted him to hang around. They were concerned, why did, man, yesterday that was a powerful rally. You, you did all that mighty work. Why don't you stay here? But he knew that he could not spread. See, he didn't have access to the internet. So his message that he preached yesterday to them did not get all the way over to Judea, to Samaria, to other places. It was just local. Right now, we have more access to people than Jesus ever did. So he had to leave because he had an assignment that was taking him somewhere, and your assignment might be right there on your computer. You can reach people all over the world when you leave here with a couple of keystrokes. And you know, if I was to ask some of y'all, how big is your friend account? Some of y'all probably got a lot of friends. Or people done befriended you. I mean, come on, let's, let's be real. Because people send me stuff all the time. Be, you know, somebody done sent you a friend request. I don't know this person. <laughs> what does that mean? They don't send me a friend request. So, so if you did, I mean, I'm, I'm just not used to acknowledging and say accept. I, I, don't, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do after that. Because if I don't know you, I ain't going to call you, I ain't going to do nothing. So, so, you know, maybe you don't heard of me, but I ain't heard of you, and so, so it ain't working for me because I don't do it like that. But if that's your arena, if that's what you do, you spend time of your day in that arena, then you ought to be ministering while you're out there. Because you can spread your faith 
a lot quicker and faster than Jesus could. Faith couldn't be spread as quick until the Holy Spirit came. But while Jesus was here, it was a localized effort. So that's why he said, look, I can't stay here. I got another place to be because there are other people that need to hear what I got to say. So look at this. In verse 35 of Mark chapter 1, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out and to an isolated place to pray. Somebody say to pray. You know, sometimes... Before daybreak, it's real early. You know, I'm imagining that daybreak is somewhere around 5, 6 in the morning. But when he said he got up before daybreak, that means, you know, maybe 3 o'clock in the morning, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, before. And what I'm trying to tell you, sometimes the Spirit of God will wake you up there and he will place people on your heart and on your mind, and that ought to be a signal to you that, hey, I need to do something with this awakening that I just got. He didn't wake me up just to wake me up. He woke me up so that I can go out and minister to somebody. Other than that, he would have just let me sleep. So don't look at ministry moments as something that got to happen while you are alert and conscious. The Spirit can deal with you while you sleep. And so when he wake you up in the middle of the night, I encourage you, don't roll over. Amen. Get up, put on your listening ears, and just meditate for a little while and see what he's trying to say to you. God is a spirit. So therefore, he has to communicate with us through his word, but through the spirit. So Jesus got up early the next morning, before daybreak, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. I encourage all of you, and I need to be better at this myself. Man, we got to start the day off right. Maybe some of the hell will leave us the rest of the day. It won't come at us if we start off praying in the morning. We just walk out the house uncovered at all, just assuming that it's going to be another day at the office. Another day at the office. Will, you just got to testify another day. And, and you finna walk into a viper pit. But man, maybe if we will spend some time praying, God will reveal to us what we've been to walk into so that we can walk into equipped and ready for the day. But during that time of prayer in the morning, say, God, open a window of opportunity for me to minister to someone today. And we were at a restaurant the other day, you know, and uh, this is a short testimony. And the waiter came up and she was just all over the place. I mean, and this lady was just all over the place. But we got to talking and talking, and then finally uh, she said, hey, you know, I, I just lost my sister, I think she said, uh, to uh, ALS. Well, when she said ALS, that hit me right in the heart, because I knew what it's like to lose somebody to ALS. So that got my attention. I said, even though she was up there joking and cutting the food, when she said that, my antennas went up, okay, we got to have a conversation. And as she started talking about all the things she was going through, uh, Keisha said, okay, why don't we stop and pray for you right now? Pray for the lady right down the spot in Red Lobster, lunch hour, right down the spot, just pray. After we started talking to the lady a little bit more, she said, well, what church you go to? Yeah, we go to Striving. I know one of your members. And I said, look, this lady, now I don't judge, I don't judge because, you know, Pastor Bowden don't judge. No, you, you. <laughs> you, you fast, are you from New Jersey? You talking fast? I don't know if my members from New Jersey. But I, I got to hear out. She said, yeah. I know Sydney Green. I said, what? Man, Sydney in college, she don't. She said, no, 
I got her on my phone. Bam! Sydney in Rome or Greece or somewhere overseas. I said, whoa, I'm sorry, yeah. You do. Now just think about it. If I had to cut the food right there because it was starting off as a joking thing. When, you know, we probably be getting served and she just chatted, chatted, chatted. I could have just cut the... Missed that ministry moment and then find out the lady go, go call Sydney. Sydney, I was just sitting here with your pastors and folk and they are some of the rudest, they are some of this, that, and the other folk in the world. <laughs> but that time of prayer softened her up and and the conversation was entirely different from the rest of the way. So I'm trying to tell you, God gives us ministry moments. We just got to be willing to take advantage of them. And I believe every day he gives us an opportunity to share with someone, either in person, online, or through whatever social media network we deal in. He says, now look, later Simon and the others went out to find him, verse 36, when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Then Jesus, but Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. I didn't come to be in one place. I came to make sure that this gospel can be spread as far. Once I spread it, I'm expecting those people who have been blessed by it to now continue to spread it with the other people. But while I've done my job here, I now have to go over there because there's somebody over there that don't know me, that don't know the truth of God's word. He said, now look, so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. By Jesus performing miracles and casting out demons, it legitimized his authority over them. And when he just sent the disciples out, they could do the same thing. And so the point today is that we are his. And when we encounter demonic forces, we're supposed to be able to do the but if you don't have the faith to believe you can do it, you'll be dealing with some people who got certain spirits that's tormenting them and you won't even know how to cast it. And sometimes that is happened by the words of your demonic forces are still real. Just like there are spiritual forces in there, we believe that the Holy Spirit is there. There are demonic forces. There are people out there who talk to demonic forces all the time. So we can't get to the point where we allow the Holy Spirit to be minimized all because somebody got an evil spirit. And when we encounter people who got certain demonic forces in their life, lying, stealing, all of it is ran by some demonic force, then we need to know how to put the word of God on that situation to let them people know, hey, Jesus came so you wouldn't have to deal with that demon all your life. That demonic force, that, that spirit of this, that spirit of that, whatever it is that got you doing that, you don't have to deal with that all your and if you come in agreement with me, I believe we can pray, touch and agree, and that rascal will leave you alone. Sometimes people just need to know the authority that they have 
over certain things that come in their lives. When Jesus' disciples realized that, they came back jumping and shouting, man, the demons are subject to us. We say certain things, they move. And so what I'm trying to tell you, we got to understand that there are certain things that God has given us authority over, and that is part of our sharing the gospel. Because when a person tells you you got a spirit of lust, that's demonic. You got to know how to deal with that. You know, I, I got this spirit, I got that spirit. But honey, man, I just can't tell you. That's a, that's a spirit that makes folk lie all the time. And so when we operate and don't know how to deal with that, then now we minimize the effect of the gospel because we don't have the courage to take on some tough cases every now and then. We want the easy case. But every now and then you got to deal with some people that is going through some serious things in their lives and believe that you have been equipped by the Spirit of God to deal with it. When you can talk to a person and talk them off the ledge and show them a better way, then that person have a better chance of believing in the God that you believe in. But we can't do that if we don't operate in the power that we have. So he said, now he went preaching in the synagogue and casting out demons. If we're going to represent him, we got to believe that we can do the same thing. And when we understand what's behind most people's issues, then you will, learn, you will learn how to attack what's behind and not that person. you got to get to the root. And so what we got to understand that there are people out there who just need to know that you believe your prayer can deliver them from what they're going through. But it can't happen until you believe it. If you don't believe you got the power, then you're going to be intimidated by whatever it is that confronts you. When we're supposed to walk around with the greater one on the inside of us, we're supposed to be ready for the challenge. We're supposed to be there because we're his representative. And look here, it's to his best interest for you to win. Why put you in a battle that he know you're going to get beat? So Jesus was about his father's business, preaching in the synagogue, again, sharing the gospel, the good news. He came to share the good news. And as a result of that, demonic forces came against him. You know, right before this ver chapter, verse uh, uh, earlier, he was preaching and a demonic possessed man jumped up and interrupted the sermon. Started start almost praising him. I know who you are, O son of David. You know, Jesus, look here. Shut up. Come out of here. Y'all know who you are too. <laughs> you ain't going to give me no props and then think I ain't going to cash you out. No, you got to go. And so what I'm trying to tell you, sometimes you just got to be bold enough to tell the demon, you got to. Some things in your life, you just need to tell it. it you just got to. Last turn. This one kind of hit, hit home real close uh, because I can see how we can sometimes be like, you know, the two disciples here. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51 through 56, I, I want to use this passage to reinforce the idea 
that Jesus did not come to destroy people's lives, but he come, came to save them. So here's the point I want you to get out of this. So when someone rejects the good news, it is not our position to be vindictive because as long as that person is living, there's hope. They turned you down. You felt like the Lord put them on the radar and you went and gave your best testimony. But at the end of the day, they didn't want to hear nothing you had to say. And every now and then, people going to walk away from this gospel. But when they do, it is not for us to be vindictive. And instead of praying that they be, you know, their eyes be open, we don't need to be praying that something happened to them. God, in your own time, just go ahead and strike them right now. No. Man, a living dog is better than a dead lion. In other words, as long as a person got breath, there's still hope for that person. Just because they rejected you, don't you give up on them. Somebody else may come along after you, and they may receive that. But so often, man, the world will be, man, can you imagine if these disciples had got their way, what the world at, we would be following their example, and every time someone say, I don't want to hear nothing about Jesus, Lord, send down some fire. Lord, I need some, I need some fire right now, Lord. I need some fire. I need some fire. Bring down the... Because they just turned down my best appeal. So look at what Jesus had to do to his disciples. Now, now get this clip. This is what got me. These were inner circle guys. These weren't the friends. These were inner circle. And right before this, they had just been up on the mountain. Transfiguration you know, had seen what the Lord can do. And they forgot everything. Jesus had even told them, Cliff, hey, look, when people reject you, you just wipe the dust off your feet and keep on moving. But instead of keep on moving, the boy said, no, no, no. They diss you. And because they diss you, we're going to handle this. You know, that's how it works in the hood. Somebody get dissed, then their boys go, Go take care. No, you ain't going to diss him. No, that, that's the leader. That you ain't going to diss him. When you diss him, you diss us. Now, we're going to come take. So that, that attitude needs to start. They will call men of God. So then now we think a hood rat. <laughs> going to act any different? They were men of God. Look at this. I'm in verse 51 of Luke chapter 9. It says, Now it came to pass. When the time had come for him to be received up, it was getting closer for him to go back to Jerusalem for, to accomplish the ending of his mission, that he steadfast and set his face to go to Jerusalem. In other words, he was intentional. I got to get back to Jerusalem because that's part of my assignment. But while I'm going along the way, I'm going to stop at all these little villages and I'm going to continue to spread the gospel all along the way. And so he says, and he sent messengers before his face, kind of like an advanced team. Go out and let them know I'm coming. And when I get there, I just have things ready. And as they went, they entered, somebody say, a village. Not some village, but. And that word a means to me that, you know, it's used to quantify something, but it's an indefinite article that specifies something, a number, and normally that number is 
a village. See, some of y'all upset because a person turned you down. There are ten folk that say, yeah, but you just upset because and because that a person turned you down and messed up your Holy Ghost and now you want to get vengeance in your heart instead of love in your heart for that so they went to in an A village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Now look at this. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Now there could have been a couple of reasons there. You know, there was no love between the Samaritans and the Jews anyway. So therefore they could have figured like, hey, most of you guys walk around us, don't come through us. Now all of a sudden you're going to come through us and we feel about like you like you feel about us. So therefore, we ain't going to accommodate you and the boys. We don't want you here. Y'all need to keep on going through this town because we don't want you here. And now, you know, the boys, they, who they think they are? You know, we're we traveling with the master. And they're going to reject him? They're not going to receive him? All because he heading to Jerusalem? And I know we Jews hate them. And I believe some of that hatred may have still been in these boys' heart. Because it may not have been so bad that they dissed them, but it was who? You let them Samaritans diss you. We hate them anyway. But we'll do God a favor. And just let's call down some Now look at this in verse 54. And when his disciples, James and those heavyweights there, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? See, that's like somebody taking scripture out of context. You know, Elijah called down the scripture, yeah, but they was killing the prophets. He called on the fire to stop them guys who was killing the prophets. These guys ain't killing nobody. They just gonna kick you out of town. Told you they don't want you to come through their town, and they gonna let you stay overnight. So now they they just take that scripture like some folk do, and now I'm gonna overlay that on and say, now Jesus bless us, and we're gonna go out there in the name of the Lord, in the power of Elijah, and we're gonna just call down some. They had a scripture clip that they were going to take and run with. And see, that's what sometimes people do. They take one scripture and run with it and don't know the whole ramification, what's all around that scripture, what went on before, after, so that they make sure they got it in the right. He said, just as Elijah did. Now, instead of Jesus praising them, he rebuked them and censored them. He said, now look, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Wow. You don't know who you represent and what spirit that you're supposed to represent in the earth. You got a spirit of vengeance and hatred in your heart when you're supposed to be operating in a spirit of love and mercy. Even if they rejected you, you still treat them right. Kick the dust off your feet and keep moving. But these guys decided, no, we ain't going to move. We're going we gonna to bring some fire to this situation. 
So now look what Jesus says. He said, you don't know what man of spirit you are. Then he tells them again why he came. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And like a wise leader, the Bible says, then he went to another. Sometimes we spend too much time on a person, and now we are no longer trying to win them to the Lord. We're trying to defeat their thinking. We're arguing with them now. We're fussing and fighting with them when we should have just, okay, leave them alone and go to the next town. Amen. Amen. You done gave them the truth that you know based upon what God has told you to give them. So now that they're rejecting everything you said, leave that person alone. Because there's other people out there who need to hear what you got to say. Because now it becomes more personal to you because I done lost the argument. That dude was a full-fledged Satan and then he shut me down and I done gave him my best shot and he's still, oh, look here. I'll see you later. <laughs> I pray that you get some light on you and get you out of darkness. But if not, your blood ain't on my hand. I tried to talk some sense into you, but now I ain't going to let you mess up my Holy Ghost where I start hating you and wish you walk out in front of a car somewhere so you'll learn this lesson. No, I'm going to kick the dust off my feet, leave you alone, and go on over here and find Cliff because Cliff is receptive. He wants to hear the gospel. And now I can bring good energy to Cliff instead of bringing that bad energy over here. I've been fighting with this dude all the time. Some folk going to reject you all the way to the end. And you can't take it personal. Because if you take it personal, your human nature is going to want to get back at them. And it may be one of those cases where you took it personal, then when they do decide to come to you because they're in need, instead of you showing them love, you're going to say, I told you. I told you, so you should. Nah. They, they got it. It took everything in them to come to you. So when they come to you, see that other victory, don't go in don't mess up the victory. <laughs> they know what you told them. That's why they came back to you. And we miss moments like that when we can minister to people who are really in need of the Lord all because we still holding on to something that didn't go right the last time. We got to get out of that. Everybody needs to know who Jesus is. He's a seeking Savior and he came specifically for people who are sick. And if the truth be told, all of us were sick at one time, Cliff. I mean, some of us had, you know, some, some serious stuff. You know, some of y'all were just dealing with a little cold and a little fever every now and then, you know, get a nail stuck in your foot, a little fat meat and a penny, cure that, you know, till they give you a tetanus shot. Yeah, I mean, you'll be all right. Little castor oil take care of that. But some of us had some of us had some stuff going on in us that that little cast off ain't going to do. I mean, we need some serious help. And so there are some people out there that don't require much of you. But there are going to be some people that's going to require a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, a lot of your effort. Because there are some tough cases out there. People are dealing with some serious things in this world we're living in now. 
and they got access to information at such a great speed now than we had in the old days. We had to go to Britannica and look up stuff, figure out, try to find out what this means, man. Now Siri tell you everything, and something you don't even want to know. So, so what we have to take in consideration, man, is that there are people out there, and some of us have been in the same place that they are in right now. And we just need to remember what was the cure for us. And whatever that thing was that cured you, whichever person that came to you with the right attitude, the right spirit, that got you to start to believe, use that same formula on them. And again, closing, never take it personal when someone rejects you. Never take it personally. You're just telling God, I have been obedient. Now, God, is up to you to change that person's heart. And if we do that, I believe that the world will see that we are genuine followers of Christ because we are trying to do it his way and not our way. The sick need us. The sick need us. And they need us to bring the solution to them. And as far as we're concerned, it started with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand cup of praise.